Where are you out of? I'm out of Ponca City, Oklahoma. Ponca City. Ponca City. Yeah. I've never even heard of that place before. Yeah, Northern Oklahoma, just about to Kansas. Uh, not a not a huge town. So that's a real happening part of the country. Oh, it can be sometimes. Can be sometimes. <laughs> When's it happening? Construction wise, it's it's starting to get pretty happening. You know, ODOT's starting to put a lot of stuff in our area, so that's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. So who do you who do you work for? Explain your your work background. So uh, right now I work for Evans and Associates Construction. Uh, we're uh, kind of a a do it all kind of horizontal road construction company. Uh, you know what I mainly do. We have fourteen separate companies that are all under the Evans and Associates tent. Most of them being ready mix plants. Uh, we are a road construction company. Where I'm at though, uh, we'll build a road from the ground up uh predominantly asphalt paving and and dirt work really yeah how many is it a good size outfit um you know i say we're a very efficient outfit we have roughly you know most of the year we keep around 35 40 guys uh but yeah i mean we do as big a jobs as a lot of them nice sweet how'd you get how'd you get going there that's a great question uh, you know, just from kind of what you talked about on the podcast and stuff, you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty similar background to getting into the industry as you do. Uh, I don't come from a construction background. My dad was an attorney. Uh, I oh, had, shit. yeah, really? Yeah. Was not How around construction at all. <laughs> growing it's up. A, yeah. It's a, it, um, it's a disadvantage because a lot of these guys grow up in bulldozers since they were three years old. And then it's a advantage because you haven't grown up in a bulldozer since you're three years old right. and you've had this totally different experience that you can bring to the table. Right. Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's, that's kind of how it was. And and then in high school, I just got a, I needed just a job. I was like, so whatever. I went and worked for a, a landscaper and, you know, we did some real, real tiny, small scale dirt moving and retaining walls and stuff like that. And, uh, that's actually how I met the owner of this outfit. I, uh, Somehow, I don't even remember how I decided. I decided I was going to go to school for construction engineering at Oklahoma State. He had kind of caught wind of that somehow or another, and I was working in his backyard. And he uh, he said, "You know, uh, if you're interested uh, in coming to work for me one summer in college, you know, just come and do it." And, you know, I kind of told him I was like, "Well, Lee, to be honest with you, I have zero interest in building roads." So it's kind of that was my first start there, and then. Uh, I uh, went to school and talked to just some some big road building contractors in the state, and they uh, they were like, "Man, you know, it's just fun. Like, it's just pure rock construction. It's just dirt, concrete, asphalt, rock. I mean, it's just it's just moving earth." And I was like, "Okay, that's that sounds pretty cool to me." So, uh, and I worked for a building contractor my first year out of high school, and I hated that. It was just so sure. slow paced. Uh, it's a it's a different ball game, building versus civil, and yeah. it's like I tell everybody. But some people some people love building, and some people like I, I like I look at a building, and I still don't have a clue how they make it stand perfectly straight up. Yeah. I I don't know how the hell they do it, and and dirt makes sense to me. It's like all right, cool, you yeah. can grade it around this and that. But to make a concrete structure stand straight in the up, you know, straight straight up in the air for Sometimes hundreds of feet. I don't know how the hell they do that, but it's good to 
try, let me go work for a building contractor and let me go look at dirt. And which one do I like? Which one resonates with me? And then there you go. You're, you're narrowing things down. Yeah. So that's kind of, I got hooked up here and I just, you know, went to school for that degree and, and just worked on dirt crews. I worked for a, a tester for a while, tested soil, concrete, got to see hundreds of job sites doing that. Yeah. It just, it just made me fall in love with it. When you say you met the owner, you were working in his backyard. You were literally working in his backyard doing landscaping. Uh, yeah, literally. I was just a 16, 17 year old, just planting trees and stuff. Nice. Why'd you, why'd you get a job in landscaping in the first place? I don't really know. It's just kind of one of those things. I, I think my mom had hired the guy to do some stuff and, and, you know, he just was talking about, I need help and, you know, I'll pay $10 an hour cash. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. So went and worked for him and that's just kind of how that started. Sure. And why, why'd you pick, why'd you go to college and, and do construction engineering? I think what happened is we have another earthwork contractor here in town and uh, he, he told me, and I don't even remember how I got to talking to him one day. And he just told me, he's like, yeah, I went and did that. It was a great program and, and you can do a lot with it. So I was like, okay, I don't really want to be an attorney. So oh, sounds great to me. Let's go build something. <laughs> what did your old man have to say about that originally? Well, at first he was a little sad because I have an older sister and she didn't, uh, she didn't want to be an attorney either. And then my dad also went to the rival school. And oh, man. so he was, he was just mainly devastated. I, I chose Oklahoma state, not the university of Oklahoma. Yikes. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's all that a lot of times that's really all that exists in the, in the Midwest is these freaking college rivalries. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a religion out in the Midwest. Yeah. It's about right. KU, Nebraska, OU, Oklahoma state. It's, it's, Kansas State, it's pretty wild. Yeah, IU, it gets it 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 gets heated up out there. Oh, it does. Um, so you go do construction engineering, and you go to work for a road contractor. Yep. What did you start? What was your your first role working in a road contractor? What did you do originally? Um, so I've pretty much worked here uh, since the summer after my sophomore year of, of uh, college. Uh, first year they just handed me a shovel and said, go for it. So I just went out and had a labor job, did all the stuff that everybody did, the sucky stuff, the fun stuff, the dirty stuff, everything. So, sure. uh, started there. Had you, before you'd done landscaping, had you ever done work like that before? Yeah, I've always, uh, for some reason, like whenever I was like eight or 10 years old, I, I had a, a little business and I was just like pull weeds and mow lawns. So oh. I, I'd kind of been working since I was a little bit younger, but I mean, that was my first real job. Really? So you were kind of used to it when you got into the landscaping gig full time. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. And then since you'd done landscaping, shoveling wasn't the biggest deal in the world, was it? No, no. It was about was all it over, over the summer? Uh, yeah. So you just, it was just full-time. Were you living at home or were you living when you started to work in, in civil? Uh, yeah, I was living at home. I have a, I have a little brother and, and I always wanted to stay close to home because I always wanted to be kind of by him. What, what was your opinion on college? Was it valuable? Would you suggest it for others or what do you think about that? You know, I've gone back and forth on this. I hated college. I really did. It was not my thing. I just always wanted to work. Uh, I skipped class all the time to work. Uh, <clears throat> 
I worked nights to do late night concrete pours. I mean, that was just, I love doing it. And I hated sitting in the classroom, listening to a professor who's hardly been on a job site, worked on a job site telling me how a job site works. And sure. so I think it was valuable because it taught me a lot of problem solving and it taught me how to think hard, I guess I would say, because, you know, the job I have now is, is a project management estimating role. I mean, it's so mentally demanding. And, uh, so, so college kind of taught me that. And, uh, but they kind of go hand in hand, you know, that your internships and your college and your work experience and classes that just, they kind of bounce off of each other. And they definitely, if you have a, a plan and a goal and you know kind of what you want to do and what to look for in your classes, college is worthwhile. Would you do it over again? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, I'm always learning here, but it also teaches you just how to learn. And sure. I think that I didn't have that mental discipline whenever I was in college or before I, you know, was in college and even like until probably three years into college, I did not have the discipline to do the job I have now. Yeah. The college was really, it did exactly that. It taught me how to take big problems and solve them and do it repeatedly for four years nonstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just mentally kicked the shit out of me because I was I just I struggled all the way through. But you just slog and slog and slog, and then you get out into the real world, and the problems are a lot easier I've found than the ones we had to figure out in college. And now I'm like, okay, well, this isn't that big of a deal. I just one step at a time. You just go down the list and hammer it out, and then just go to the next problem. And I don't think I'd have that mentality if I didn't have that educational mental abuse uh, for four years. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at on it. And and I didn't really have, I didn't realize that here until recently where it's just like, man, I, I needed that. I needed to just get beaten up mentally for four years. Yeah. But, but it's important. It's important to combine the two because you can't just go to college for four years and come out of it and be like, all right, cool. Let's go to construction. I've seen people try to do that and it's a really, really bad time. Yeah. It's, it's best if you blend the two together. If you're consistently working, if you can during the school year, that's great. If nothing else, every summer. And so you combine the practical application of just using a shovel with getting your mind beat up. And then you can kind of go anywhere at that point yeah. after after graduation. Yeah. Did you like the geotechnical testing? Yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, it got me a lot of exposure. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't quite as fun in my opinion is, is being on a big dirt job or a big paving job or something. But yeah. I mean, you're sitting in your truck a lot and getting in people's way a lot. And, you yeah, know, that's, that's piss- a good description of what those guys do. Yeah. yeah. Pissing off operators a lot, losing a lot of sleep, but it, it was cool. Cause it just got me a lot of exposure to the industry. And I got to see so many different companies and different job sites and how they do their stuff. So it was cool. There's a lot of people that ask me, how do we, how do I do what you do? Go to all these different job sites and being a, uh, like testing engineer for a geotechnical company. That's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Or like being like a utilities locator, or there's these few jobs that aren't always, aren't always the most glamorous, but you get a lot of exposure really quickly to the industry, which I think is is super, super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. If you're willing to put in the, the crappy hours and and all that, I mean it's 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 really a lot of fun. I mean it it, it was cool and 
I mean, it was worth it in my opinion. There's some geotechs, dude. They just, some of these guys just kick it. Yeah. Like they just, they'll just fall asleep in their pickup truck on site sometimes. Yeah. It's a good gig. I've done it plenty of times. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, I've, I've been there when you're, when you're managing work too. Like the, when we're doing work on the railroad, there were some times where you're kind of doing nothing and you can take a quick little nap, you know, yeah. you put your, put your seat back and sometimes you're so damn tired from your ridiculous schedule anyway, you don't even intend to sleep, but I don't know, you, you hit the recline button a little bit and all of a sudden you're out for 45 minutes and you wake up, you're like, where the hell am I? What the hell just happened? Oh yeah. <laughs> so you graduate and you go to work for this contractor. Yeah. Why'd you, why'd you stick with them? Did you look elsewhere? I looked around again. I wanted to stay pretty close to home. Uh, like I said, I've got my brother's 10 years younger than me. And I've always, uh, him and I have always been close. So I wanted to stay by him. And, and uh, this was the only real heavy civil or at least kind of sizable heavy civil contractor around. Sure. So, and they had a, a good opening. They, you know, their vice president, he was, he's kind of at the age, you know, he's, he's looking to retire in the next few years. And, uh, you know, that we, we just kind of saw a good fit there. I, I saw myself fitting in here. They saw me fitting in here and, uh, him, the vice president and I, we get along very well and, and he's taught me so much and they've just, they've just been good to me. And whenever I worked in the field, they got me exposure to all sorts of different operations and all sorts of different stuff and people and, and job sites. And, and it was just, they just took care of me and, and, and I just decided to stay with them. So they, you started out, you started out estimating in the office full-time? Yeah. When I came to the office full-time, I, I started out and I worked a summer. I did three internships here. The first one was just labor. The second one was labor and that kind of got me more into an operator role. And then sure. the third summer was, was estimating. And so whenever I came out of college, uh, it was, it was, yeah, estimating and project management stuff. And Having doing some building, seeing where things are, you know, how they, how things get built. And then now having a role in the estimating process, how does having a role in the estimating process change your perspective on how things are built? You know, I, it changes my perspective a lot because whenever you're out there, you just want to get the job done, period. Uh, however it takes, whatever piece of equipment it takes, you know, if, if, you're told you can only have five guys, you know, sometimes you take 10 guys just cause. And so the estimating perspective and the job perspective, I mean, you have to understand both very well, in my opinion, to be a good estimator, because a lot of estimators just say, well, this is how it should be. And they bid it based off of a perfect world and this world's not perfect. And so you have to talk to your guys and, and you have to learn from them. Uh, and and see how the, how are they going to build the job? And sure, you have to know how they're going to build the job by being out there with them and watching them build the job or working with them and building the job every now and then. And uh, it, I would say it changes my perspective just by it, it. Just there's so much more that goes into it than just go out here and build the job. Yeah, and and especially when you're. I think it goes both ways. There's the estimator needs to understand how the job is actually built because that's how the job is actually built. And it's yeah. super tempting to sit there and say, well, this is how I would do it, but 
you're sitting in an office and you don't have to actually sit in the rain every day and deal with the material or deal with the traffic or, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I was supposed to get a 349, but I just have this 320. Yeah. What the hell? Or my truck drivers are supposed to be here, but now they're going to be here next week because mm-hmm. they got tied up on another job. There's so many different factors. So there's that part of it. And then there's also the good foreman, superintendents, field personnel that if they can understand how the job is bid and where the money is at, they can be a hell of a lot more profitable because it's not always just about, let's just blow and go as fast as we possibly can and just get me, like all these people on the internet, they're just like, oh, just, you should have so much bigger of a machine than that and this and that. You just want to slap these people because it's, that's not how money works. That's not how a profitable job is built. That's, and if a pro, if your jobs aren't profitable, then no one has a job here. So what do you want? Do you want to build it and make money or do you want to go find a job elsewhere? Because those are the options. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a two way street. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just learn where it really changes your perspective is, is I think even as a, a laborer and operator, sometimes you get in the, the, the habit of saying, well, we really need this out here. These people will, this piece of equipment is on a $9 million job and you're on a $500,000 job. Both jobs are important. Both jobs have deadlines. Both jobs need to be done right. But, you know, you can take the smaller piece of equipment or you can take the maybe a little bit smaller crew. You don't need the same resources they have on that bigger job. Sure. And that's where the humility comes into play is if you have that humility of, hey, they need this machine more than I do. Could I use it? Could I hammer this out This out, and, and would it make my life easier? Yeah, but they need it more than I do. And, and if they do well, I do well. Yeah. And everybody gets so caught up in their little silo, their little world. And this job is all that matters. No, there's probably, you know, there, depending on the size of the, the company, there could be five more jobs, 10 more jobs, a hundred more jobs. And the combined success of all of those jobs is what determines your long-term success at that business. So it's beneficial to help everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What surprised you when you started estimating? I wouldn't say the surprises came when I started. They came about, I don't know, maybe six months after. I always say that like, I knew more about estimating about a month after I started estimating than I do now doing it for going on three years. It's just like, it's just amazing how much things change. I mean, you get a list of materials and and you have like a, a price from a quarry and that's where you get most of your rock. And then it's just, okay, this is a set in stone price. And then, Next thing you know, oh, they're raising their price a dollar a ton or whatever. It's like, it's just things change all the time. And, and uh, a lot of surprises have been coming lately with COVID. I'm sure you've heard all about it. It's just people don't even want to hold a price now. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's full of surprises, I should say. Uh, it just, it, things are always changing, ever changing. There's no constants. You can't just necessarily look at a job and say, yeah, it's going to be that much. It's sure. just, you, you can't. You, you you can't do it until you really work it out and get some firm prices from the other people. Yeah, and you can. I mean, you could bid the exact same job in just the exact same job six months different, and it's going to be a different ballgame. Yeah. What What are the complexities that COVID is creating? I think I know where you're getting, but a lot of people don't know this is happening. What's What are the problems? So so far, we are just now really getting affected by it. Mm-hmm. We haven't, we weren't affected by it in 2020 almost at all, at least in, in my small construction world company wide. I know that they had issues getting like concrete trucks and stuff like that. 
uh, in our world right now, our biggest issue is getting parts for trucks. Uh, you know, we've got a couple trucks down because of def sensors and it's, she can't get that sensor right now. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, so stuff like that. And then, uh, pipe is getting increasingly harder to, uh, get. And, you know, whenever you can get it, it's double the price of what you bid it. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the trouble. Is you're, you 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 could have bid a job six, twelve months ago sometimes, and you're if you're working with ODOT, for example, you can't go back to them and say, "Well, hey, can we change that bid a little bit?" It's you kind of got what you got, and then the pipe manufacturer is no nah, pipes twice as much, and it's twelve weeks out. So good luck. Yeah, it's pretty wacky. It's pretty wacky, and and ODOT has kind of worked with us a little bit you know we we came to them because we went over by like two weeks on a job and you know we told them we're like guys could you consider giving us some covid days because a lot of that two weeks was just waiting on crap and you know so and i they worked with us and and kind of got i mean they didn't give us covid days per se but they kind of helped us out a little bit so with with pipe like how how far out could it be right now it just depends on the size. I mean, there's times where I'll call them and, and they can get it to me next week. Uh, and there's times where it's kind of like, hmm, might be a year in a month. Uh, <laughs> you never really know. <laughs> it's pretty wacky. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what does your day-to-day look like right now? Is it primarily estimating? Are you primarily in the office? Yeah, right now. I mean, this is really my, I would say the winter is, is the busiest for me. Uh, that's just whenever a lot of our work goes out for bid in this area and uh, sure. it's whenever I'm getting contracts ready for other stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm in the office a lot. I, I certainly try to get out in the field as much as I can and just, you know, at least talk to the guys and, and just, if anything, just shoot the poop with them for a few minutes and just kind of keep that relationship strong. Why is, why is that? Why do you do that? Trust is just so important. I mean, again, going back to bidding a job, if, if your guys know that, that you trust them, they're going to build the job better. And if I get their opinion on, hey, how are you going to build this job? It's it's going to eliminate future problems. Because if I say you need to build it this way, they're going to build it the way that makes sense to them. And they know better how to build a job than I do. I mean, I've worked combined total out in the field for like a few years. Like these guys have been doing it, some of them, 50 years. I mean, so it's like, if I ask them how to do it, that relationship's important because I need to know how they are going to build it. Who are they going to use? What machines do they want? Yeah. Coming out of college or just being young in general, it doesn't matter college or, or, or no college. If you think you know what the hell's going on when you're in your twenties in the construction industry, you're going to get your ass, you're going to get your ass handed to you at every, I mean, shoot, I've had my ass handed to me a lot of times because I start to think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. I like, like you said, I'm a bigger idiot today than I ever have been because I'm starting to finally appreciate the complexity of this world and weather and materials and soil conditions and different parts, you know, labor markets and different parts of the United States and different types of equipment. And there's so many different, there's just so many complexities to everything. And even you can go build the exact same job a year separate and you potentially could build it in a completely different way oh yeah it's wild yeah but every time you think you know best it doesn't it doesn't go well it doesn't no. go well at all 
No, I, I've learned that the most important thing is just telling the guys that I work with, like, hey, you guys got to keep in mind that I am an idiot. Like, I don't know this stuff. I, I need you guys' guidance. Sure. You know, and, and they respect that versus saying, this is what you have to do. Whenever, whenever you do it like that, and I've heard it, not necessarily in my case, but with other people in similar positions to me, I've heard their people say, oh man, I hate taking orders from a, a 20 year old. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't been doing this as long as I have. And they're sitting here forcing me to do it this way. And I never want that. I, I want them to tell me how I need to do my job, not me tell them necessarily how to do their job. Sure. But there's, and, and the more you do that, the more you let them influence you. Now, the more respect you get. And now the more wiggle room you have in future scenarios as well. Yeah. Because it's still, you do sometimes probably, I'm assuming you probably have to filter out a lot of what they say. And yeah, absolutely. But Sometimes you have to estimate it in a in a way that it makes sense as well. It, yeah. it, it sometimes you estimate in a way that doesn't really correlate to how you're going to build it, but at least you know that and here's where I needed to put money, but here's how we're going to build it and and I, you told me that and that's okay too. Yeah, and, and that's where estimating is so mind-boggling because it's a juggling act. Whenever you look at a, a, a bid sheet of where exactly to to load your money or take your money away or put your money in mob, I mean it's just it is all a juggling act. Once you get your numbers set, then you just completely change them up more. And I, I did estimating for a little bit. I helped with estimating. I wasn't estimating jobs from A to Z, but I was. I worked in an estimating office for a year and a half, and I that was not. It was not my cup of tea because you put you put. We were doing big DOT jobs, and yeah. so it would take you'd be working on the same job, estimating the same job for a month mm. or six weeks or eight weeks or. Sometimes six months if it's a CMAR type, you know, alternative type delivery project. Yeah. So you're just working on this thing, working on this thing, working on this thing. You submit the bid and then you miss it by 5%. Yeah. And then you come back to the office and all your beautiful work, you just take it, throw it right in the trash, and then you just start over. Yep. And that's the frustrating part. <laughs> it's Frustrating is an understatement. Yeah. So much of your work is completely not worthless, but you don't build a majority of what you estimate. I was told uh, by my boss, he told me, uh, he tells me all the time, if we get more than about one in 14 jobs that we <laughs> bid on, we are bidding too cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So there's 13 jobs. And you don't know which which is going to be the winner. So you have to work just as hard on all 14 and one's going to hit. 13 yeah. get thrown out. Pretty much. It's a it's a mental it's it's it for me at least it was taxing coming out of the field getting that everyday satisfaction of okay, I put this many sticks of pipe in the ground. This pile of dirt was here, now it's spread out across this this little piece of property. It's just you can see it. And I'm a very visual person. Yeah. With estimating, I just could not see. Yeah. I just could not see the progress. And yeah. I really struggled. Yeah. And, and that's where I struggle a lot with estimating also. I mean, and uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like estimating. It's like, I don't necessarily have as big of a passion for it as, as some people I know because of that same thing. It's like at the end of the day, it's like sometimes you'll be working on something all day and you go home and you're like, what did I even do today? 
Yeah. You know, whereas like, you know, let's say you're on an asphalt laydown crew, you can go and drive two miles that you laid that day. And it's like, huh, yeah. this is what I did today. Yeah. But the, but, but then the other side of it is that asphalt crew has nothing to do without the estimating. Exactly. It's just a, it is a requirement of this industry. You have to estimate the work to go build the work. Yeah. 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 It's, and then in, in the work, in the work you're estimating too, DOT, it's, you have to estimate it in a certain fashion. It's not the wild, wild west. You can't just like lick your finger, put it in the air. Oh yeah, no, I know. I know what you're doing because yeah. there's rules. And if you break the rules, you just get the whole thing thrown out. Yeah. Well, there's just so much red tape. There's just so much that you have to cut through to, to build a job. I mean, if they tell you, it, you know, the wind has to be below, I don't even know if there's a spec for it, but if it's a little too windy, you may not be able to stabilize soil that day. Sure. Just because the inspector says it's a little too windy or it's not windy enough. It's just still today and the, it's just lingering in the air. And it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's just, there's so many variables with the DOTs and they might change their specs tomorrow. I mean, you might go to a, a we have a, a quality meeting every month with uh members of ODOT and separate contractors and they might be in that meeting and say, okay, here's what we're going to start doing in two months. And it's a pretty big undertaking to get to where you can meet those requirements. Like it's just ridiculous. Some of the stuff they do. Sure. That's just DOTs for you. Mm -hmm. What do you wish people out in the field understood about estimating? I wish that they uh, understood more about what actually goes into it because, you know, I, I, we had, one day I was out, uh, we, we were shorthanded. This was right when the pandemic started and I was actually out running a asphalt roller because we just were shorthanded, had to step in and we had a new guy and, uh, he was on the roller and, you know, he was asking me a lot of technical questions about that certain roller. And I was like, man, honestly, I said, I can tell you kind of how to run it, but, uh, I'm an, I'm an office guy. I, uh, I don't know the ins and outs of that. I don't run it every day. I just kind of run it every now and again. And, he said, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I could ever have a, a life like that where you just sit behind a desk with your feet up and read the newspaper. And sure. it's like, well, man, I do a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that that's just where I, you know, sometimes it gets a little frustrating, you know, out in the field, they, they kind of think you do nothing. So, and it's work is work is work. Yeah. So you, you sit there, but you, you, at least when I was doing estimating, you get home and you're not physically exhausted, but you're exhausted because yeah. your brain's been trying to figure out this whole puzzle all day long. Yeah. You're wiped out and you've busted your ass. And if you weren't doing what you're doing, there's no work to go build. It's not that. And, and if they weren't building the work, then you couldn't bill upon anything and you wouldn't be getting paid because that's how you get paid is asphalt on the ground. And concrete poured and dirt moved. That's how a construction company operates. They don't get paid for estimators, but it all works in unison. It's all this yeah. one big ecosystem. And if one piece is removed, it all goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And the guys that have been here in the industry for a long time, I mean, they understand what goes into it because sometimes they'll start asking questions and, and I'll sit down with them. And I love talking to our people and educating sure. them on, on how the numbers work and Sometimes it's over their heads and, uh, sometimes they eat it up and, uh, but I'll tell them a lot of times they'll be like, you know, working a 12 hour day and 110 degrees, 
you know, you go home and you're physically exhausted and you don't want to do anything the rest of the day. I was like working a 10 hour day, bidding a huge ODOT job. You feel the same way. Yeah. Well, I would do, the funny thing is too, I could do a 14, 15 hour day out in the field. Yeah. I would rather do 12, 14 hours out in the field than sometimes eight in the office. Yeah. Because it's like you get to eight in the office staring at the same set of plans for eight hours or the same stupid ag tech file. You're just, you're just toast. Yeah. You, you cannot focus. You can't do anything anymore. Right. It's a, it's a, it's an under, it's, it's, it's the difference between an eight hour day in an office staring at ag tech versus 12, 14 in the field is actually quite, quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not absolutely. saying one's harder than the next. It's like, sure, yeah, you're going to be, it's a lot harder work to go work 12 hours in the field, but I've done both and they're just different. They're both hard work. How do you, how do you estimate a job? Like say, James, ODOT just uh, let this job. The hell do you do? Here's your plans. Here's um, your specs. Go I for mean, it. start to finish. I mean, first thing I do is I read through the plans. I see what they want. I see what they're looking for. I, I study those plans before I even put numbers to a paper. I figure out, okay, what are we doing? Why are we doing it this way? What is one of some of the ways that we could build this job better? I mean, it's just understand the job. Then you go out, you drive the job, you look at the job. Uh, odds are good that that design engineer probably has never even stepped foot on that job. They've looked at yeah. it on Google Earth. They have never actually driven out there and looked at that job. So you got to go out there and look at it and say, okay, here's what the engineer missed. And that's going to be pretty important later on. We need to just go ahead and get this sued that now. So that first week, you're just studying plans, seeing is there any questions? Because you have one chance to ask questions about those plans. And that is one week after those plans are set for bid. So after it's let, that next Friday, then you turn in your your uh, pre-bid questions. And then... Uh, you know, maybe you have some, maybe you don't. And I mean, and the questions you submit questions, they submit answers, but you also see everybody else's questions. Yes. Correct. So asking questions, sometimes you have to be a little strategic about it. It's a game because yeah. you might notice a hidden gym and you're hoping somebody else doesn't notice that hidden gym. Sure. And you want to ask about it, but you also don't want to say, you know, blatantly give it away either. Because that can give away, you know, certain numbers and stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a fun little game there. And then after that, it's just a matter of uh, figuring out how you as a company are going to build that job, and then uh, reverse engineering how you believe another company is going to build that job, and then compare notes. Sure. The and and then takeoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you're you're spending hours and hours doing takeoffs and uh we're still old-fashioned we still do it the old-fashioned way around here uh pen pencil paper really uh, yeah spreadsheets i mean we don't have any fancy estimating software at this time uh well thank goodness it's not i mean it, it makes it a little easier on a big job but also it's a pain in the ass yeah well our uh, our vice president he's been doing it for last year was his 50th anniversary and i mean you know, takeoffs or he probably does takeoffs better and he speaks English. I mean, it just what's a, what's a takeoff? Explain what that is. Uh, it's basically just looking at, uh, I don't know, say a 
a concrete footing and looking at the dimensions and saying, okay, it's this by this by this. This is how many cubic yards of concrete we're going to need right here in this hole. Uh, Or, you know, if you're, if, if there's a job that's pieced up, you know, maybe they tell you you have to build it, you know, three quarters of a mile at a time on a busy roadway. You've got to take off how much material is, you know, section to section and how much you can do in a day, how much you can do in this section, how many days it's going to take you to do this section, all that good stuff. And a lot of times it's just making sure the engineer has the right number. Yeah. Because they give you it. They usually give you section to section how much something's going to be, but they're not always yeah. right. No, they give everything. And so say there's 100,000, it's a, yep, there's 100,000 yards of dirt here. And then actually there's 120 and you didn't figure that out when you bid the damn thing. Maybe you get a change order, but maybe they tell you, ah, just kick rocks actually, because yeah. you should have figured that out. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's all part of the fun. You know, a lot of times you're on, by the unit price, and that's where that can save you. But sometimes they may say that uh, this concrete structure, this you know thing here, this amount of excavation, it's lump sum. So if you miss that, you're sure. SOL. So how do you actually put the bid together? Basically, we just come up with our numbers. We get our sub quotes. Um, you know, a lot of times we have subs that are pretty loyal to us, and and that's who we use. And uh, I mean, if they're low, obviously, but they're usually the ones that we really deal with. And then uh, after that, we put their their numbers in. And and once we kind of get our initial numbers and figure out, okay, what is our cost? Then we uh, kind of figure out what kind of a, a profit margin we need to actually stay afloat if we get that job. And then from there, you juggle your numbers around and figure out, okay, we think this quantity is going to underrun or overrun and uh, just kind of move your money around accordingly. Sure. So it's, I mean, you, you literally have a bid list and all the asphalt paving, you know, and bulk earthwork, finish earthwork, this structure, number of inlets, feed a pipe, and you basically just assign dollars to each one of them. Yep. Quantity, unit price, multiply it, add it all up. There you go, your bid. Yeah. And I mean, they give you the quantities that they want you to bid. And it's up to yeah. you, again, going back to takeoffs, it's up to you to determine if that quantity is actually right. And if they give you, like a lot of times, they tell you there's a bid item for unclassified excavation and it just says lump sum price, you got to go through and figure out everything on that job because odds are good they gave you no quantities for that lump sum price because they want you to figure it out. Yeah. And then you, 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 you get just one number, you submit it, and then they do a bid opening. Yep. And they open everyone's quote unquote envelopes up. It's probably... You know, with COVID, it used to be envelopes not very long ago. It still could be envelopes. but No, it's all COVID, electronic now. Everything's electronic now. Yeah. And then they just publish, okay, here's the list. And you see who's first. That's who gets the job. And then you see all the other asshats all underneath that. Like, yep. wow, those idiots, they keep bidding everything that high. What the hell are they doing? Yep. It's quite funny how public it is in the public world now you go bid to a gc in the private world that's not the case you don't know who's what numbers are are where yeah but public works everything's out in the open yeah you can't see their bid you can't see their unit prices but you can certainly see their 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 bid oh you can see their unit prices i mean it's line by line everything yeah you can see everything you can see everything 
at least in Oklahoma. I don't know how other states do it, but see, there you go. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. The day of the bid, uh, it shows. So the day of the bid, it's it's just the final number, and uh, then uh, they award it the first of the next month, and that's whenever you can see what everybody bid on every line item. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes sub some contractors are using the same subs too. Yeah. A lot of times. I mean, yeah. you know, like in our area, we only have a couple of traffic control guys who really bid on like big jobs. So odds are yeah. good. They got the same quote you did for that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to the same folks. Yeah. Pretty funny, man. That's, uh, I don't know. I, a lot of people who listen to this probably know how the estimating process works, but there's a lot of people that don't that have never experienced it before. And I think it is valuable learning about the the process because that's where every job begins. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, digging a swimming pool is one estimating process and it's quite simple. A lot of times you can just look at it, do some, you know, math on Mm -hmm. the back of a napkin almost, but then estimating a highway job, it's a freaking undertaking, man. Yeah. Huh. Um, Your brother is quite a bit younger. What kind of, I mean, what kind of advice do you give him, if any? I don't know. I really don't know yet. He's uh, 13 years old right now. Um, I mean, my advice to him is just work hard. I mean, him and I are just so different. He's a, I think he's going to be a, more of an engineer. He's a, sure. he's a, he loves uh, Legos and putting them together and building that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to get him into the construction world. He just got that awesome D11 Lego set. Oh, so, dude. Yeah. Holy smokes. <laughs> I was I was low key hoping someone would buy it for me over Christmas, but I didn't I didn't get that lucky. Well, my mom asked me to keep it at my house until Christmas and uh I kind of didn't want to give it back to him. I I wouldn't have if I were you. <laughs> that thing's freaking sweet. Yeah. So I've seen a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of people we've had on the podcast. They've been putting them together over the past month or two, and I am remarkably jealous. Yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get lucky this year. If you can even find one. <laughs> That's the other thing. Good luck finding one. Yeah. Although I did see one in the uh, Salt Lake City Airport. Oh, nice. So what do I want to do more than buy a Lego set in the Salt Lake City Airport and then carry this enormous <laughs> box with me wherever I'm going? Because that's yep. what I want to do. Um, cool, man. Well, I, um, I appreciate you stopping by today. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. It was, a, it was definitely a neat experience. Yeah, well, hopefully it was. I, uh, you've you've unique perspective. You've been doing something a lot of people don't do. We talked to a lot of people out in the field. We talked to people running companies, but young guys estimating work that's that's unique. So we appreciate appreciate you stopping by, and maybe we'll make it to Oklahoma one of these days. Okay, man. If you ever do, give me a ring. Cool. All right. Thanks, James. Yeah. Thank you.